Our speaker tonight is one of my favorite people. <laughs> Some people are saying she better be. And when I'm, in a, when I'm in a room of people and I hear her laughter, it always makes me happy too. Has anyone heard Susan's laughter across the room? Yeah. <laughs> it's very healing and joyful. But also, uh, as we were praying for Susan tonight, Karina had this sense of this flow of living water. So I just encourage you all to open up your hearts and your spirits and not just take in the words that Susan shares, but receive what the Holy Spirit wants to convey to you. We love you, Susan. We bless you. And we bless what God wants to speak through you. Come on up. Hi. Yeah, so, yeah, I want to tell some stories tonight, and some of these you probably, some of you will have heard some of this, and some of you have never have heard any of this, so, but anyway, let's just pray. Jesus, I thank you, God, for just how you've been so thick and present already, God. Um, we just want to open up our hearts and say, Jesus, have at us. We know we can trust you. We know you love us more than we can even love ourselves, God, because it come, all comes from you. It all comes from you. Everything good, everything that, that brings life, it all comes from you, Jesus. So would you just, just reveal new aspects of how much you are for us tonight, God, and how much we can release, let go, and trust you with our lives. Whoa. And we know we need, we need that by revelation. We need that by experience, God. So would you just um, do with each one of us tonight in your own special way the, way, the way you are, the way you love to treat each one as a, as a special individual so dear to your heart, God. So would you just reveal yourself, God, in the fullness of your love, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, I seem to have not, not have my notes with me, but that's okay. I don't need my notes. Um, so let's, is this thing on? Are my little slides on? Okay. All right, so I will, talking about Trusting God over our circumstances tonight. Um, and specifically, you know, we've heard that, that saying, maybe seek his face and not his hand. Um, and so more what I'm going to talk about is trusting God's heart, trusting who he is, but not to put our trust in how he is doing it. In other words, his heart, his nature, his love, his faithfulness, we can absolutely trust. But if we start focusing on what he's doing and how he's doing it and try and plant ourselves there and try and put our expectations on that, you know, our, our finite minds, our understanding will just get lost, won't we? We'll get disillusioned because he's always doing things different. He never does the same thing twice. He doesn't do the same thing with the same person twice. He doesn't do, 
Well, I want him to do what he's doing with that person over there, God. That's what I'd like you to do for me. And how many of you know he treats each of us as such a unique person that he just doesn't operate like that? So that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to talk about some of my experiences, some of my circumstances that I've walked through. Um, How many of you have been here... um, we're here at this church back in 2011. Okay, maybe a third. So for the rest of this, you this will probably be new, new information. Back in, let me just look where my slide is. Oops, there we go. Back in 2011, um, Russ decided to almost die. <laughs> I say <laughs> I say that laughing. So um, just to back up a little bit about me, I, um, I came from a family where um, it just it seemed like there was a lot of rules, but I never knew what the rules were. I don't know if any of you had a family like that. So there were rules, but I didn't know what the rules were, and I was always breaking the rules. So I was always in trouble. So if any of you know what I mean, when you're raised in that kind of family, you try and figure out what's going on, how to avoid getting in trouble. You know, you, you use your mind a lot to figure things out, like how do I avoid getting noticed? How do I become a chameleon to please other people? How do I read other people to know what they're thinking and whether they're judging me? I was really good at those kind of things, really good at trying to just, just figure out how things are going to be, and then I'll be okay. If I could just use my mind to figure it all out, and then I can figure out where to put my heart in the middle of all that. So that's, that's kind of where I was, just to give you a little background on me. So in 2011, Russ, it was in June. You know, when you go through something traumatic, you like remember everything, like every single day, things that happened. Russ doesn't remember much of this, but I remember a lot of this. <laughs> so on a Friday, <laughs> Russ came down with a little cold. Really, it was just a little cold. And he got a little sick Saturday, a little sicker Saturday, Sunday. Um, and I actually was going to go on a little retreat. So he seemed like it was just a cold. He was getting a little bronchitis. So I left on a Sunday. And by Tuesday... He was getting really, really sick, like four days in, I guess it was. And I called him, and he said he was so out of it, he didn't know how sick he was at that point. Oh, I think I'm doing a little better. But I was like, hmm, this doesn't sound right. So I came home that evening, and by the time I came home, he was delirious. And he couldn't sit up straight, and he couldn't finish a sentence. I was going... Something is really wrong, really, really wrong. Okay, send out emergency prayer request. I know some of you got that emergency prayer request. Pray because something, Russ is really, really sick, but let's pray and Jesus is going to heal him. It's going to be great, right? And so I sent out the prayer request and I hear this little voice in my head and I'm a medical person, by the way, too. So my, also my medical side's going, what is going on? He just had a little cold. What did I miss? Ah, And um, I keep hearing this voice saying, well, if this was one of your patients, what would you do? I'll send him to the ear. Okay, Jesus, but we're going to see a miracle healing here. It's going to be wonderful. And I just kept hearing this. If he was one of your patients, what would you do? Kind of like with Peter, when Jesus kept saying, Peter, do you love me? (laughs) 
So I think three or four times, and finally I'm like, okay, I'll take him to the ER. And the light in our bedroom's a little dim, so I did not see how pale he was. And when we got to the bright lights of the ER, I went, oh my gosh, he is really pale. No wonder he keeps passing out on me. So, um, so they promptly um, bundled him up, got him on a ventilator, got him up, up to the ICU because he was not breathing very well. And he was very, very, very sick. Very close to death, actually, that night. And, um, and then the next day, I came in and they told me, oh, he's really, really sick. And then, um, but over the next few days, he seemed to be getting a little better. So my expectations, see, I was expecting we'd just go to the ER, get him on an IV, maybe a little breathing, a treatment. We'll be good. We'll go home again. Well, that didn't happen. And my brain is like, wait, that is not what I was expecting to happen. You know how you get your sights on something like, I, 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 this is what I'm expecting to have happen. And when it doesn't happen, you just go, I don't know what to do with my heart now. And he got a little better and a little better, and then Sunday came, and he got a way lot worse. Like he was like this, and got a little better, and then he went like that. And then I still remember that day so clearly. I know Diane came in that Monday, and I think Scott, Scott came in, Scott Sauter came in that day, and somebody was with me, I don't remember which one, and the ER doc looks at me and says, you need a miracle. I'm like, oh, what? I thought we already got through that, and now I need a miracle? What? Um, anyway, and every day it was like something new happened. Oh, his lungs are collapsing. Oh, he's in AFib. Oh, he's in this. Oh, he's in that. And it just kind of went on like that for a number of weeks. Altogether, 40 days in the ICU. Um, and I'm just sharing that because I learned something about myself through all this. I thought I wrote out hard circumstances pretty well. But because I was so focused on what was going on, you know, my heart was kind of like, like that, just like, you know, how Russ was doing and what the doctors would be telling me. And I'd be, I remember there was one night, and what God made very clear to me during this time was my job was to be present with Russ. And I remember just reassuring him again and again and again because... I, I learned from when my daughter was born, actually. I remember the nurses told me, because she was very ill when she was first born. Talk to her, because she'll hear it. So I just kept on speaking to him, because I know if his soul, even if his soul's not hearing it, his spirit will hear it. And he actually remembers the things that I, talked, I told him. But he, he was so drugged, he couldn't, eat, he couldn't move. He, they had him so medicated, you know, besides being... Um, you know, anesthetize, he was also paralyzed because they didn't want him using any extra muscles whatsoever because his oxygen level was so precarious. So at one point, I think it was probably that first week, I had a dream. And that dream was uh, pretty easy to interpret, actually. And the dream goes like this. It was... Um, I was in my little, my little Prius, you know, kind of a little car. And I'm the driver. Russ is in the driver's seat. And we are going over boulders. Well, you know, dreams do things that are pretty impossible. So these are like boulders we are going over. I'm like, oh, this does not look good. And this is really rough. And then, but then, but then, sheer, a sheer wall is ahead of me. I'm like, how the heck am I going to get over that? 
And then a couple friends showed up in my dream, Blaine and David, which Blaine means lean, and David means beloved. So the interpretation was quite easy, lean on your beloved. That is the only way you get through these kind of circumstances. See, when we go into the wilderness or we go into a hard time, a lot of times we're going on our two feet, aren't we? We're thinking, I got, I got some answers. I know how this is going to work out. I can figure this out. But when we come up out of the wilderness, we realize we don't have the answers. We don't have it figured out. We have to lean. We have to utterly depend on him because we can't make it happen. We don't have it all figured out. But we can absolutely so trust his heart in the midst of things that are seemingly impossible. And it's only in those moments when things are impossible sometimes that we realize we can't do it all ourselves. We can't figure it out. We can't make it happen like we think we could make it happen. And every day, it was at, we were at Hayward Kaiser. Every day when I would drive down to go visit, I was listening to this song that was um, pretty new back then. That It was Your Love Never Fails. I know they were singing it at Bethel and, and Jesus Culture. And I listened to that song, and I listened to that song, and I listened to that song, and I just kept getting it getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into my heart because I needed Jesus. Your love never fails. I just I wanted to know how things were going to end. I was like, if I only knew how long this is going to last, I could do this, right? You know what I mean? If you, you know, if I just knew this was going to be over in seven days, I'll be good. I'll be good. Yeah, I can do this for seven days. I can do this for ten days. But I, I didn't know. You know, my mind kept trying to play that little game of figuring it all out. I didn't know how long it was going to be. I, could, I would have had no idea. It was going to ultimately be 64 days by the time he got out of ICU and then stepped down and then the rehab before he could get home where he could actually walk and talk and eat again. <laughs> but we were so grateful he could. Yeah. So those words from your love never fails. Nothing can separate. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercies for me every day. My, your love never fails. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. You make all things work together for good. And I just kept taking that in and taking that in and taking that in. I don't know how this is going to work out, God. But your love never fails. I want to know how this is going to all work out. I really, really do. <laughs> but I don't. And I know I kept telling Russ again and again and again. I said, Russ, I don't know what this is about. 
but I know God is with us, and you're going to be okay. And I kept saying that again and again and again. And he remembers that I said that, and I think he, he would say that he needed to hear that because he was like, in that space, he was like confused and not sure. And I know many of you came and prayed over him and, were, and sat with him. And it was so, um, such a body coming together that was so wonderful and really appreciate that because here he is today. There was, um, there was one day, <laughs> I had this, I don't know, crazy thought. Because I had taken time off of work. I'll, I'll go back to work for a couple of days, so I'll have more time off work at the end of things, right? So I tried to go back to work. That was dumb. But anyway, so i I going to work this one day because things looked pretty stable at that point. I'd forgotten my cell phone. No, normally, if I forget my cell phone, I'm like, oh, no big deal. I don't, I don't, I don't need it. I'm going to do fine without my cell phone. But I'm like, I need to have my cell phone today with him in the hospital. So... I'm, I'm, a, I'm just coming up to a stop sign. I'm like, okay, I'm going to quick turn around and zoop. It's a quiet little street. Well, guess what? Yeah, I s slide through the stop sign, and I do a quick little U-turn. So I broke two laws, and guess who's right there? The CHP. So she pulls me over, and I'm like, God, I am so mad. I'm like throwing a temper tantrum. I am going through so much right now. This isn't fair, God. I'm like my little, my little granddaughters, you know, a little one-and-a-half-year-old, you know, 18 months old, get mad. They're like screw up their little face, and they just get, mm. God, come on, be nice to me. Look what I'm going through. This isn't fair. And he just kept saying, no shortcuts. I'm like, huh? No, no, you don't understand what it's like for me, God. And he said, no shortcuts. I'm like, what are you talking about? Come on, just tell her not to give me a ticket or something. And she came up to me, and she's looking at me like, and I'm like, but you don't understand. My husband's in the ICU and I gotta go to work. I was pathetic. I was stressed. I was so stressed out. And she just looked at me and, you need to go home, honey, and have some coffee or something. <laughs> like, but I can't. <laughs> She's like, okay, I'm gonna only give you one ticket when you really deserve to get two. I'm only gonna give you one. <laughs> You know, no shortcuts, that means we don't just start a race and jump to the finish line and go, cool, I got to skip over that all that stuff in between that's not so fun. Because we often, we start out so strong and so good, and we know where it's going to be ending, and we know how we're going to finish, and yeah, but then you hit the middle part, and the circumstances start kicking in, right? And that's the not always the fun part. But that's the part where we're like, Jesus, you're worthy of my worship. You are here for me. Your love never fails. It's just as strong now as it was at the beginning at the end. And I don't know how it's going to end. But I keep my eyes on you, and we're going to be fine. Absolutely going to be fine. So since I didn't bring my notes, I don't even know where I am right now. But yeah, here's this scripture. This one was also another one that I focused on that's, I'm sure, familiar for all of you. To trust the Lord with all our heart, to lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And I really liked um, the message version. 
Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own, like I was doing. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Yeah, he wants to speak to us just as much when we're in the middle of our struggle as he does when we're up in front prophesying over people or doing ministry. When you're in the trenches and you're just not sure, his faithfulness is so just as much there for you. All the time, always. And I think um, when we look at somebody like Moses from the Old Testament, you know, it's easy to read these stories and go, cool, they get so familiar, you know. You don't see the, always see the depth of them. But there's this um, scripture from Psalm 103 about Moses that God revealed his character to Moses, but he only revealed his deeds to the children of Israel, Another way it says, um, another um, versions it says he revealed his ways to Moses and his acts to the Israelites. And that's because, you know, Moses was given this incredible responsibility to take 600,000 men, which means two to three million people, people, two to three million people. That would be more people than in all of Alameda County, which is Berkeley, Oakland, Hayward, Castro Valley, San Leandro, Pleasanton, Dublin, Livermore, right? Think about all the people. That's a lot of people on a camping trip together where there are no grocery stores, right? There's no RVs, right? No generators. That is people walking with animals, and maybe they have animals, I'm not sure. But anyway, that is a lot of people. And over and over again, Moses is, Jesus, or God, just show me your glory. Show me your face. He is not focused on, oh, no, oh, dang. I don't have a map. I'm not sure quite where we're going. No, he was like, I want to just follow where you're going. I'm not going to be, I mean, what an... I mean, talking about overwhelming circumstances, <laughs> maybe, I don't know what Heidi Baker does, it's pretty well up there, isn't it? She's pretty amazing, the kind of stuff she does, and do you know what she, how she spends half of her day is seeking out his face, knowing she can't keep her eyes on circumstances, she can't keep her eyes on what God is doing, she's got to keep her eyes on him and who he is, and those eyes of love looking back, that's what resets us, that's what gets us back you know, gets us back in the saddle is looking at him, not looking at how we are doing on the journey because the journey's always got, you know, you've always got different things going on as you journey through. Different vistas, different things you're seeing. It's always shifting and changing. But when you look at him, his, his just that assurance of that love and that I am for you and that I'm with you never shifts, never turns away at all always for you. So this is a high compliment for, for Moses that he was so focused on that intimacy with God like 
Todd was talking about earlier, that God took him deeper into the secret places to see what was going on behind what God was doing. And that's what his ways are. It's like, let me show you what I'm thinking about when I'm doing this thing out here. This is what I want to talk to you about. This is what I want to show you. Because it's easy to come to God and say, would you fix this? And would you fix this? And would you do that and do this? And he's like, what I want to do is I want to bring you in to that secret place and show you the inner workings of my heart. Why I'm doing what I'm doing. How I'm doing what I'm doing. Not what I'm doing but how I am thinking about what I'm doing. That's what he wants for us. So I'm, I asked Vivian if she could share something of her story. Um, come on up, Vivian. Because she's had um, a real breakthrough this year. And in, in the last few years, um, and she's going to share something of her story, because I think this will be very meaningful to a lot of you. Um, I want to share about my upbringing first. And I was uh, born in Hong Kong, and I lived there for um, about 21 years before I immigrated here to the United States. and. The culture that um, I was raised in was pretty much um, performance-based, fear-based. Um, if I did something right, I said something right, I behave, I perform, then I would be loved and I would be accepted. Um, but if I failed to lift up to what was expected of me, then I would be rejected. And so because of this, it caused a lot of fear and it, it was hard for me to trust people. And, but God came in to heal me slowly. Um, I was saved in 1987. Um, it's not like when he first came into my life, then I was healed right away. It took some time. And, but I feel so much more healed today that I could share my story with you. Um, 12 years ago, um, two years after my husband and I had married, and we actually wanted to focus on mission work, uh, actually more like full-time, and we would like to have financial freedom. So we were thinking of, okay, let's take some uh, real estate classes, and we want to do some real estate investments. And, and we did, and within one year, um, we actually own our own home, uh, we got a condo in Newark, um, and then we also own two real estate investment properties uh, with another investor. And so we actually share um, like half and half, half and half the cost, uh, the mortgages and everything with this uh, investor. So after two years, everything went pretty well, and um, we just keep running the properties and renting out the properties to other people. But one day suddenly he disappeared. And uh, so ended up, instead of paying half and half with him, uh, expenses, mortgages, with these two properties and on top our own, uh, own home, it was very stressful. But we still try to pay everything. Um, we try to pay everything on time. 
And so we borrow from credit card companies. At first it was okay, but after several months, it's just I just started to witness everything falling apart. And um, we maxed out all our credit cards and everything, and and then we 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 was we were behind our payments, and um, we were not able to pay, and we were very behind our mortgages. And then we received a lot of um, phone calls and uh, mail from banks and um, credit card companies asking us for money to pay, um, and like. They're not really like threatening us, but they said, if you don't pay, we can take away your home. So there'll be foreclosures. And <clears throat> so finally, we, we had no way, and we didn't have the money to pay everything. So we lost everything, and we filed bankruptcy. Um, so how I felt at that time was I was very fearful, uh, very stressful, and was thinking about the enemy kept putting thoughts, tormenting thoughts in my mind is like, look at your bad credit right now. How are you going to have somebody want to rent to you? Where are you going to stay? So it was very um, devastating time for me. Um, but and then God has a way. Um, I just want to share with you that uh, during that time, uh, after I witnessed everything fell apart and I had... I just experienced sleeplessness, and I had raising thoughts, uh, very, very, just, just not restful. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I was like, okay, the enemy is attacking me, and uh, I was like, I'm not going to to give you, like, I, 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 I just determined to spend time with God. So I said, okay, I cannot, I cannot sleep. I want to just go to another spare room. <laughs> When, when Lynn is sleeping um, in another room, I just want to spend time with God um, in the secret place. Um, so in general, about 10, 11 p.m. to dawn, I would, just, I, I would just bring my Bible there and then listen to music CD, instrumental music, and just be there with God. Um, so sometimes I dozed off, but it was okay because I was like, I... I'm with God and I'm okay and I believe that even nothing much happened and I didn't see Jesus, I didn't see angels or anything like that, but, but I believe that he said he's with me and he said that those who draw near to him and then he will draw near to, to them. And so I just kept <clears throat> spending time with God at night, every night, not a night that I didn't go. And then after several months, I started to feel like a constant abiding joy. It, not a moment that I did not experience that. It was like a, like a romance with Jesus. It was so sweet. And so um, I feel like I was being protected by God when I spent time with God. Like it's completely when everything kind of falling apart around me. Um, I was in the eye of the hurricane. Um, pretty accurate. That's how I felt. Um, I felt very much loved and peaceful when I have all the reasons to fall apart myself. And because I spent time with God, so that was something that he, because I allowed him to come into my situation, and he actually, um, he said, okay, I can do some miracle in your life. 
Um, so what I did at that time is like it's not like I gave up on um, going to church or anything. I I kept going to church. I spent time with um, faith-filled Christians, and I kept reading the Word and um, worshiping, listening to music CD. I offer thanksgiving to God, even though the situation is hard. Um, worshiping and uh, praying, even even soaking in in the secret place is a form of prayer. So I don't necessarily. Sometimes we feel so tired, we don't want to. What what do I say right now? Like like I I didn't have words, so I just spend time with him. Um, I pray in tongue, so I I felt very free, and I just yeah I just do all those things. Um, and back then, I didn't know too much about like declaration, but but now I declare a lot. So um, that's what that's what something that we could do too. And um, so I was stressful, but I was pretty much waiting for the bank to take away our home, and because we hadn't been paying. But and then God came in to rescue us, but not the way that I I. Like what Susan said, expected is like, oh, uh, can I keep my home? No, <laughs> we lost our home um, through bankruptcy, and two other investment properties. And but the fear that I had, that that enemy put in my heart about um, uh, not being able to find a home or renting a place, it was not true. And um, so right before the 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 bank took away our home, we actually. Um, went to look for, for homes to rent, and then the place that we went to see is a um, second-story condo in Newark. And uh, we set up an appointment to, to see the, uh, the homeowner, and then when we arrived, the lady there and also uh, her mother were, were there to, um, to meet us. So we looked around and we uh, filled out the application and then uh, we shared with them what happened to us, that we had a very bad uh, credit report. And so they didn't even ask anything. They said, uh, we, we, we can't let you stay here. So they wanted to rent the place to us. Yeah, so it is totally God's grace. And then three years ago, um, Lena and I started to uh, own a home again in Union City. And it's not like just owning a home because uh, three years ago, the market was very competitive. And we actually had God's grace through people to us, which um, gave us 20% of the market price, which is 50%, I mean $50,000 discount. And not only that, um, I, we were given like first priority to buy the home while we were working on the home loan. So it was a lot of grace. And um, actually from, sorry, I don't want to miss out anything. Um, so actually after, after that incident, um, there are a lot of things going on too. It's not like after that, then everything is, is well, nothing happened, nothing fearful. Um, we still experienced things like Lynn got laid off several times, and uh, I had some health issues that I had uh, had a surgery, which, which back then was a major surgery, would be a major surgery. So, um, 
And also when I when when I just look around, when we look around this world, there are a lot of things going on. There are real dangers. It's not like okay, you it's like okay, you you share some testimonies. I believe that real dangers are around, but I just don't have to choose to be fearful. And I can I can say no to fear. And I just know by my experience that if I entertain more fearful thoughts when things happen, that actually open up door for more attack from the enemy. So um, I think through, through the years, uh, God has proved himself very faithful and that he proved me that, he proves to me that I can trust him. And I just want to share with you this, that, that you can also trust him. Um, I'd like to share a Bible verse with you. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, um, Passion Translation. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. I just think that if he said that we can do it and he will not trick us, that means he knows that we can do it and we have the authority to overcome. So I just want to share that. Thank you. Would you mind just doing maybe just a, a quick prayer over them for yeah. fear? Yeah. So if you feel like fear is something you need help getting victory over, why don't you go ahead and stand up? Yeah, and she'll just pray that over you to help you have that confidence and strength to resist that fear. Father, we thank you for who you are. You are the good, good father that we can wholeheartedly trust in you. Father, you know every single person that, that stands up right now. I just pray that your peace just overwhelms their spirit right now. Just give them that um, awareness that you can be trusted. I just pray for a breakthrough in their lives in the name of Jesus. I just pray that, I just pray that you touch heart and declare over them that they can say no. Then they have the authority in the name of Jesus, that they can choose and they can trust you. In every situation, their heart can be set. In the name of Jesus, they don't have to say yes to anything less than. In the name of Jesus, victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. I, I just love hearing people's stories and just being willing to, you know, be so vulnerable and open because we can, we can all relate, I think. You have, may not have gone through exactly your story, of course, but um, God, isn't that awesome how God just showed up when we think that nothing's going to be recovered? He's, he's we're always working on our behalf. We just never quite know, do we? Not always. It's because he's so focused on that relationship with us and not just being our Santa Claus, huh? <laughs> Sometimes we're like, could you just be Santa Claus and just give me the goodies? <laughs> and he's like, actually, no, that's not my heart for you. Yes, I'll give you some goodies, but I want you sitting on my lap 24-7, not just at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's what he wants for us. So I've got a few more scriptures I just want to share. 
This is from 2 Corinthians 4.16. Um, I think this is the passion. So no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is being renewed every single day. As we focus on him, as we agree with his truth, we are being renewed every day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity because we are eternal beings. We're living from heaven to earth, not the other way around. We're seated up there right now. We just need his help to keep there, to stay there, not just with our spirit, with, with our soul mind as well. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen but on what, on what is unseen. For what is seen is just temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal because that is really our, our true reality is that eternal realm, isn't it? We allow the temporary circumstances to start ruling over us. We completely lose sight of God's reality and God's truth for us. So I loved Vivian's story because fear is very real when you are gripped with fear. It is very real. You see your whole world through those lenses of fear. But how many knows perfect love casts out fear? There is no fear in God's love. When you know that you know that you know there's love, there's no room for fear because you know he's got you on all sides all the way around. Yeah. Oopsie. Let's go back to that one. One more time. There it is. Okay. And I know every time I hear a worship song that, 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 that's focusing on God and how worthy he is, it just grips me. When I hear that, that he is worthy, he is worthy of all of our attention. He is worthy of all of our adoration. He's worthy of all of our thoughts, right? Our thoughts. He wants us to catch those thoughts captive and give them to him because he wants to fill them up with his love and his wisdom and bring them back to us again. He's worthy of every bit, every way we can acknowledge him in the midst of whatever's going on. He wants to come in to those places. Even when we're struggling, even when we're scared, even when we haven't got a clue, he wants in. He wants in. He wants in because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. So I just want to close with a, um, I know we're going to, it's about time to go for the kids. Um, but if everybody could just close their eyes for a minute, we'll just do a couple minutes of being still with him and let him reveal to you anything specific he has for you right now. And Jesus, I just ask that you would move anything out of the way that would be causing any interference here today and let your voice and your presence speak very clear. Would you sit and be right next to each one of these. 
just, just to be able to be snuggled right up next to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And would you show us whether there's anywhere in our lives where we have gotten our eyes off of you and onto our circumstances, onto what's going on in our lives. Any area where we haven't been able to bring you in. So we haven't known how. Yeah. He has, he has no condemnation for you whatsoever. He understands we need help with these things. We don't know how to do them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, what is this circumstance going to look like if we invite you in? What is this going to look like if I proclaim, God, you are worthy. You're worthy over all of this. And if you're realizing that there's a way in which you're carrying, carrying some stress or some trauma or just, just worries and cares you've not been able to get over, could you just, you know, you can just release that to him right now. He cares for everything you care about. You can just release that to him now. Yeah. He understands and he cares. And I just pray right now over all of these ones, God, a fresh filling. Whoa, for anything they've surrendered to you, you would just fill them anew, fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. Yeah. Surround them, God, with just tangible arms of love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, would you just seal everything you're doing, Jesus? 
And thank you, God, for ways you, you reveal yourself to us that are fresh and new. Thank you, Lord. Yeah.